And um, what was the what the unexpected result was is, um, you know, she um, provided care for many of her patients throughout the years um, on every day of the week. Um, she woke up Monday morning um, after she had retired, um, staring at four walls. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you this conversation with a friend of mine, Tony Hickson. Tony has done a lot of things in his life. I'll let you uh, let Tony fill you in on all of that. Um, and today we're going to talk about his journey perspective. And um, I will warn you up front, it's, it's a sensitive topic. We'll be talking a little about suicide today and um, kind of the implications of that in the church. So if this is an issue for you that um, might be particularly close to home, I might invite you to listen to this with a friend or um, just keep that in mind as we move forward. So uh, with that in mind, let me welcome on Tony. Tony, how the heck are you, man? Hey, hey, Tony. Yeah, two, two great names right here. Yeah, you know, so, our, name, uh, our name backwards is why not? Why not, man? So I'll call <laughs> you Pastor Tony. So that way, if our voices uh, interchange, we'll know who's, who's actually <laughs> chatting. But uh, I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on today. So let's jump right in. Uh, how would you describe your relationship with God? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I became a Christian at a fairly young age, raised in a, in a house where we went to church every Sunday. And, and where'd um, you guys to go to church at? So I'm from an uh, area in Northwest Ohio called Finley, Ohio. Okay. And uh, the church that we went to was called New Life Ministries, and uh, New Life Ministries was a on the Pentecostal side of the spectrum of life. All right, look out! And um, yeah, watch out, man! It was crazy Speaking stuff. But I was a kid, and I <laughs> what's that? Did you speak in tongues? Uh, I did not, but I heard quite a bit of it. It was, yeah. um, but you know, when you're a kid and growing up with it, it's it's normal. Yeah, I love um, it. That unfortunately, that church fell apart due to I don't even know I was a kid, and we went from there to a smaller church in our community called St. John Mennonite Church. So uh, if you talk about the spectrum of of um, denominations, going from a Pentecostal to a Mennonite was was quite that's like going from an Ohio State fan to a Michigan fan. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So. Um, fell in love with the church. The pastor brought the truth. Uh, Sunday school youth program was really great and um, came to know Christ at an early age around the fifth or sixth grade uh, time frame. And uh, throughout college, then, um, as a lot of stories go, you start to um, explore different areas of your life um, and uh, fell away a bit. But by the time college had wrapped up, uh, God had re, um, reclaimed a part of my heart and um, um, I've been have uh, had a pretty solid relationship relationship with him ever since. Um, nonetheless, um, here I am in my 40s, and uh, the career is going well. Yeah, now I tell got, everybody uh, tell everybody what it is you do. Yeah, I'm a financial advisor. I'm a partner, a founder of a wealth management firm here in Finley, Ohio, called Hickson Zerker Capital Management. So we've been uh, running this business for 17 years, founded in 2002. Wow. And uh, it's going really well. And I got also have a wife and three kids at home. So it's very busy. And how old are your kids? A, um, so I got uh, two girls and a boy. Um, my oldest, Eliana, she is 13. So I got a teenager in the house. 
my middle child, Kaya, she is 11. And uh, my youngest son, Everett, he just turned eight. So, oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful names, too. You time. and your wife did a good job. I tell you, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty good. So. And uh, you've lived in Finley your whole life? Um, I have. I have um, this little little town outside of Finley called Pandora, of all things. But oh. uh, my my dad uh, owns a farm in the area, grew up on a farm, uh, married my high school sweetheart. Her family also owns a farm in the area. Come on. So, we, yeah, we decided to, to stick around. We have, uh, as, so I, as I tell others, we have yeah free built-in babysitting with both uh, with grandparents in the, in the area. So that, uh, that, that works out really well for us. That's incredible. So uh, speaking, uh, uh, you know, a little bit about family, you know, part of the reason that uh, we wanted to get on and talk today is because, um, you know, unfortunately, you've experienced some tragedy in your life, um, specifically as it pertains to your mom. Could you share a little bit about your story with your mom and kind of um, take us through that journey? Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. So, the um, yeah, as I said, the business was founded in 2002, and uh, we founded it with the vision of helping individuals make wise decisions with their money. If you uh, back up a little bit, I graduated from college in '99, and I started my career in uh, in a CPA firm in accounting. And it didn't take me too many tax seasons to realize that when you put a tax return together, you can see everyone's financial life on a 1040, on a form 1040. And uh, what I was seeing as the tech bubble burst around uh, the year 2000 and then the September 11th terrorist attacks occurred in 01, our country was in a recession. And uh, as financial data poured in on these tax returns specifically, there's a form called Schedule D where you can see uh, different trades that were being placed by our, by our clients. And um, they were making some pretty big mistakes. They were selling these companies at, at very low valuations. So they were basically afraid that either the country or these businesses were, were going out of business. Hmm. And uh, I tended to disagree. Um, around that time, I had a buddy of mine from high school that um, was also employed in the area, also worked at a CPA firm. And um, we um, started to um, do some lunches together, discovered we had common interests, common values, and a desire to um, be entrepreneurial and start a business helping uh, individuals make better decisions, make wise decisions with their investments. So we uh, hung out our shingle in 2002 uh, with just uh, ourselves, me and my business partner. His name is Adam Zerker. And um, we had a couple desks, a computer, a phone, uh, zero clients, uh, zero <laughs> assets under management. Now that that's um, a pretty revenue. brave that's a pretty brave step statement. Do you find yourself as as naturally being optimistic? Like, are you one of those guys that's like, yes, the country's going to pull through. Yes, we're always going to get a ten percent return. Yes, we're always. I don't know what the right number is. I'm just making mm -hmm. stuff up. Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, I mean, are you naturally optimistic? Are you are you predispositioned that way? I am, and uh, I think that's confirmed in uh, the Strengths Finder, which. I think you've taken Pastor Tony as well. Um, one of my, I think my third largest strength is positivity. Oh so yeah. I, I do tend to be, I do tend to be optimistic. I see the guys like you are so cool. great to have around the office. <laughs> it is fun. I mean, if you think about uh, just the uh, the human 
innovation that's occurred over the past just 10 years. Uh, if you don't go all the way back to 20 years, uh, we're never going to want to go back to the, the good old days. I'm, I'm of the mindset that the best is always ahead and I'm just looking forward to, to seeing what else is around the corner. So I, love that. I tend to be optimistic. Yeah. yeah. So I tend to be optimistic and it also helps when you're investing clients money to be able to have that mindset because right around the corner, um, after we started the business in 02, um, came the great financial crisis, right? The um, great recession of 2008. And by about that time, it was just Adam and I and a part-time, part-time secretary. And, um, we had quite a few clients and we saw our assets, um, de decline our, um, our, we measure our, our business by assets under management. So all the investments of our clients really, really declined um, by quite a bit. Um, but uh, 08 and 09 continued to plug away and started to see a bit of a change in some fundamentals and uh, the country started to turn around, companies started to turn around and, uh, and, and henceforth we have had uh, about an 11 year bull market. So it's been a good time to be an investor. Now let me ask you this. So about, Real quick, mm -hmm. what do you think yeah. the um, the difference is between somebody who didn't make it during those recession years versus your company that is now thriving in the bull market? Yeah, um, I think the well, let me tell you a story. There was there was um there was a client that we had um, onboarded. I think around two thousand five, two thousand six about a million dollars uh, in investments and uh, by the time the depths of OA that happened um, he had lost quite a bit of that um, quite a bit of that, uh, that like investment. 60% 40% For 40% so his account had declined um, by about $400,000 that's so scary and, um, <laughs> so yeah well well picture yourself in March of 2009 and this client uh, gave us a call Adam picked up the phone and the client had just received uh, the sixth straight investment statement, six straight month in a row where the value is, of his portfolio was down. And he called up and Adam got the call and um, the client said, you know what? I'm done. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I can't lose any more money. I've lost money six months in a row. Um, I, I can't take it anymore. And um, through, um, you know, a little bit of a, a empathetic conversation for 10 to 15, 20 minutes, um, Adam was able to talk the client off the ledge and basically said there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, some of the research that we're doing shows that um, there, there's, there might be some brighter days ahead. Um, if you sell now, you're definitely going to lock in a loss. Um, but if you stick with it for a little bit longer and have more of a long-term perspective, uh, we think we're going to crawl out of it. Well, the day of that phone call was March 9th of 2009. And if you know anything about um, the great financial crisis, that was the bottom of the stock market. That was wow. the day that the stock market bottomed. And uh, fast forward to today, um, I just looked at his portfolio, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Um, without any additions to his portfolio, it's now worth $2.3 Woo! So, Looking at um yeah, if that client would have decided to follow through and, and place that sell, he more than likely would have not known when to get back in. And he would have given up, um, you know, at least a tripling of his, of his, of his investments due to um, the prolonged 11-year bull market that we've been in. 
so I guess to answer your question, the things that might separate us from um, an investor that who might make might make mistakes is trying to um, trying to help them understand more of a longer term perspective that mm. while you're going through it, it's tough, but in the end, um, over a longer term period, um, your 10% that you had mentioned isn't outside of the realm of possibility. So um, keeping that optimistic mindset in spite of downtimes um, really, really has rewarded us and our clients. I love that. And I, I love, uh, I think that's a good lesson for life. Like all of us, like to know that there's something different coming if we can just hold on. Yeah. So um, you survived the recession and then uh, 11 year bull market and then um, kind of take us from there. Yeah. So around that time, uh, 2008, 2009, um, my mom, who had been a been in healthcare, basically, she started her career as a registered nurse. Um, she had moved from being a registered nurse to um, then being in a hospital to then being a registered nurse for a home health agency and had kind of climbed the ranks to become a, the director, executive director of a hospice agency. Um, so, Pastor Tony, do you know what hospice is? Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So, hospice helps uh, people with their end of life care, kind of uh, yeah. respite care and, and palliative care until um, the Lord calls somebody home. That's right. That's right. And so basically the, for a person's life, the, the hospital is basically given up. There's not, not much more we can do. So let's put them into the care of hospice. And so those nurses that are assigned to provide hospice care, um, make the, make that end time as comfortable and as peaceful as possible, possible as they transition from, from this life to the next. And so that became kind of my mom's my mom's career, her legacy was to um, build this organization and to provide care for those who um, who are basically at end of life and ready to ready to embrace the next. And um, as you can imagine, um, with that type of a career, day in and day out, you're making um, you're making some good friendships, some good relationships with these people, and and you're providing them care. Yeah, you're providing them care and comfort and peace as they transition. And um, day after day, week after week, month after month, they die. They're, they're done. That relationship is over. And so um, compound year after year after year of that, and on top of that, running the agency, um, she became very, very just burnout, I guess. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just emotionally, spiritually, relationally had just, she was just done. And um, she began to entertain the idea of retiring. Um, and that's cool. That's great. And throughout my career, my mom and dad had typically, they had used another advisor, mixing family and business isn't always wise. So they had used a, another advisor and they ran this uh, scenario by, by, by her. And she had said, I've given her, given her the green light. But nonetheless, uh, my mom still respects me and, and, and the career I had chosen. So she decided to, to let me take a sneak peek and uh, get a, give her a second opinion. So, um, you know, as a wealth management firm, we've helped many transition from retirement or into retirement. And um, we had we have some pretty robust software to calculate the numbers. And we've got um, quite a bit of 
professional degree um, individuals here, some wealth advisors, some credentialing. We know how to run numbers. Sure. And um, sure enough, we ran ran those numbers for her, and um, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. I said, Mom, if you kind of keep a check on your expenses, um, Dad owns a farm, so there's some income coming in year after year, you know, and, and plus just knowing her, um, she was burnt. She was yeah. ready to to move on. She wasn't um, getting much more purpose or satisfaction out of her current career. So I too gave her the green light to, uh, to retire. So um, she did that. That was around 2010 timeframe. And um, what was the, what the unexpected result was is, um, you know, she um, provided care for many of her patients throughout the years um, on every day of the week. Um, she woke up Monday morning um, after she had retired, um, staring at four walls. And um, after a few weeks of, of that, um, she began to really feel as though um, she was no longer needed. Mm. A career in nursing, uh, your patients rely on you for everything, from medication to care to changing whatever it might be. Um, she was used to being relied upon, to being needed, um, to providing that care. And she transitioned to re into retirement without really without having that um, a correct mindset as to what that might mean. And she began to, um, now, of she course, began to become... Of course, you, you couldn't see that at the time. Absolutely not. And um, I mean, it's to not be like, honest. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's not like you can see when someone doesn't have a plan for what's next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to be honest, she had, she was so burnt out. I thought, man, this is exactly what she needs is to get out from under all of this. But in hindsight, um, that was one of the things that really gave her purpose. And in the end, that was something that um, when that purpose was taken, or when she decided to retire, basically, um, she began to uh, sink into a very deep depression. Mm. Um, so she tried many things, whether that be counseling, um, whether that be medication, and um, whether that be, uh, she, was a, she was a great Christian lady, prayer, um, talking with friends, mentors, and um, no matter which way she turned, she was unable to find that peace that she was looking for. And she ultimately felt as though she made a very, very horrible decision to retire. So within about a six month uh, time frame after she had, um, had made the decision to retire in March of 2011, um, the very thing that she had helped her hospice patients do which was give them peace as they transfer transition from this life to the next. She chose to take. <clears throat> she chose to take her life um, because that was the only way that she could justify in her mind that would bring her the peace that she that she needed. So in March of 2011, um, she committed suicide and. Um, the ripple effects of that were felt um, in, in everyone's life. I, and um, I would imagine st still being felt. Like those, aren't, still those, being aren't, felt. those aren't ripple effects that go away, and nor should they really. Mm -hmm. But the lessons learned have been immense, and um, I'd love to, um, to dig into some of those lessons with you and your listeners if I could have that chance.
Yeah, no, I, I love that too. Can I, can I ask you um, one question? Um, wh- what uh, do you remember uh, where you were and, and what you were doing when, when you got the phone call and kind of um, what went through your head in that, in that moment? Yeah, I, I do, I do remember that, um, Pastor Tony, and um, I was here at the office, and uh, my dad called my cell phone, and um, I answered the call. I knew it was my dad. Obviously, it comes up on the screen, and I just said hello, and um, and and uh, and uh, and a voice I don't really want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't like thinking about that voice, but in a voice that um, I'd never quite heard come from my dad before, he um, he kind of shouted my name and uh, said, um, basically, she did it. Um, she she she's dead. She she took her life. And um, yeah, I guess the um, the emotions were um, extreme sadness. Um, and to be honest with you, Pastor Tony, there was there was some extreme guilt because I was one of uh, two of her financial advisors who had given her the green light. And um, if I had known what that would have meant, um, I certainly wouldn't have done that. But um, I obviously from, uh, from that moment forward, um, had to give Carrie a call, rushed over to the house. Yeah. And um, the rest of it is somewhat of a blur until, until I was standing in line at the visitation. So wow, pretty wild. Thank you for sharing that very vulnerable and intimate moment with us. Um, if I could ask, uh, I, I would imagine, and, and I've, I've certainly talked to people, um, how, how did you, how do you deal with that guilt? Because I, I, I would bet logically you know that you didn't give your, your mom the green light to make that choice, um, but I would imagine emotionally and, and, and all of the, deep dark places of your heart and mind it's 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 still really sticky i mean how could it not be mm-hmm. yeah it's a really good really good question um as my mom transitioned or kind of downward spiraled into that depression um she had kept a journal um which was very cryptic and disjointed because her mental health was declining as well Hmm. Um, there's only a few people in this world that have read that that notebook. Um, I was one of them, and um, there was a page <clears throat> in that <clears throat> in that notebook where she did write um, that she forgave me, and that it wasn't my fault. And um, she understood that from a quantitative or a numbers perspective, it didn't make sense, and that no one could have um, no one could have guessed what that would have done for her from a qualitative perspective or a non-financial perspective um, by basically eliminating what she felt to be eliminating her purpose. Mm. So the guilt factor, um, there's times where you have to choose how you're going to move forward. Um, On any given situation, there's a why in the road. And uh, the one why that I could have easily taken is, that of um, shouldering that responsibility, um, sinking into a depression on my own, and um, 
in the end, I felt like that was not a good decision to do. I would rather, much rather have turned this tragedy into triumph, um, turn this stumbling block into a stepping stone, and to allow this story to um, to help me leave a legacy for my mom to yeah. others that, um, that, that I come in contact with specifically through uh, the firm that I run here. I love that. I love, and I love your heart in it. And I just really appreciate um, your wisdom. If, if there's somebody listening right now and maybe they've experienced some um, major tragedy and they find themselves at this, at that same why that you found yourself at, uh, you managed to turn um, towards a path that leads to kind of that, that stepping stone, as you said, How, what would you, what would you tell someone? Um, know, what would you just tell them? What would you tell them if they're standing there looking at, I don't know what to do with the guilt and, and the shame. Cause I, I think even outside of something as big as suicide, there's a lot of people who deal with guilt and pain from their parents and from their kids and from their work and from mistakes. And Lord knows, you know, we've all made plenty of those. How, how do you, redeem something that feels so awful yeah i mean i think i would i would just start with um it's it's not your fault uh, don't don't shoulder the burden that wasn't wasn't created by you um i've also encouraged them to uh, to just seek 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 god um you know he provides he provided that peace when i was when I needed it most mm. and um, any particular or, verses or, or scripture that you like clung to in that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, you're the, you'll be able to tell me where it's at more than I can, but the one that um, sticks in my mind was um, that uh, to pray for pre- peace that transcends all understanding. Mm. And um, there were certainly times that I had navigated that journey where that peace that, I, I didn't quite even understand where it was from. Um, certainly God provided that. It transcended my my understanding. And so for those people who may be struggling with that burden of guilt or uh, that mindset of which path to take, um, I would simply remind them that um, in the end, the, the best is ahead, that um, that God loves you. He's not mad at you. He cares about you. And um, the peace that he provides can can transcend does transcend all understanding and he provides that um free of charge and uh, he loves you you're his child and um he's he's there for you come on man that'll preach i'll start calling you pastor tony (laughs) (laughs) um so you know i've i've had a lot of conversations that people have been through difficult times um how, how did you manage to maintain such a good relationship with, with God and Jesus and, and even the church? Because it would be naive to think that um, the church has some really weird ba- baggage around suicide. Can you share with us kind of your perspective on all of that? Mm-hmm. I'd love to. And, um, but before I do, I will, I'd like for you to maybe help dig into that baggage that the church tends to carry around suicide. I often know that there's typically two paths that the church believes uh, about suicide. Um, could you dig into a little bit about each of those paths and then I'll, I'll, I'll certainly jump in. Sure. 
Sure. Um, well, for a lot of years, um, certain denominations have said that um, suicide is a, a mortal sin. And so it was a cultural understanding f- historically throughout the church. And um, that has since changed, but the cultural baggage around that is takes generations and generations to go, um, kind of dissipate and go away. And so for some people, they view suicide as an un, uh, unforgivable sin. Now, since then, the church has, has kind of changed their position on that idea and look at more of a, an illness, typically like a mental illness would. And so those are, are typically the two paths as I understand them. Um, you might be able to give a, a little bit more experience and, and light on that. No, yeah, no, that's um, exactly what... Um what I had to come to terms with as well is, is um, I, I, I knew those two paths and I wasn't sure I had to do some, some soul searching and reading and talking with uh, mentors to find out uh, really where, where I stand and um, where I stand is it was a mental illness and it wasn't a decision that, that she meant to make. But um, I do believe that she walked into the arms of her savior that day. Yeah. Amen. And I, I'm a hundred percent with you on that, that, that the idea that um, yeah, I just think that we've underestimated the amount of mental illness and the impact it has on someone's uh, physical disposition, you I know, mean, just because we can't see it. I, I've dealt with a lot of soldiers in my time who really struggled with anxiety and depression and even, um, you know, just all of those addictions and things that end up uh, taking lives, far too many lives. And, and for me, it's, it's has the same kind of um, feeling as, as cancer for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And cancer is typically medicated and, and doctors take charge. So it's a, a similar disease for sure. Mental illness is a similar disease. Um, your question on how did I maintain um, that relationship with God in spite of, um, in spite of what had happened um, I, I guess the best way to answer that, I don't mean to sound cliche, but no, sound I, I really, cliche. It's fine. <laughs> um, the, the very fact that I that we believe that that we're believers that, that God has called us, um, it, it's it's odd sometimes the things that I that I believe the virgin birth, uh, the flood, uh, the God created it all. It's just kind of odd and but cool. And there was there was really a, a point where. I had to decide, is, is this something that I'm going to continue to continue to believe and follow, or is it not? And that was many, many years ago, back in college. And I, I chose that, um, that this is real. God is real. God loves me. He died. Um, he sent his son to die upon the cross for my sins. And um, who am I to stand in the shadow of a bloodstained cross and, um, and not accept that free gift of salvation? and um, not accept that love and love him uh, back in return. Mm. So even in spite of the tragedy that occurred in my own life, um, turning my back or, or disowning or moving on was, was really never an option. Um, I, was, I was consistently um, anchored to the rock, and I needed to be um, based on the, the tragedy that, that occurred. That's... That's a, a great perspective and one that I imagine also helps you. That consistency has got to help you in the line of work that you do. Um, and, and speaking of line of work, like it, it had to have felt a little um, and probably still some days feels a little awkward 
uncomfortable, tentious, whatever the word is, that you know, your one of your missions is to help create enough financial wealth for people to do whatever they want to do in the next season of their life. Typically, you know, 20 year olds say I'm saving for retirement, you know, without even knowing what that means. What was it like for you going back to work? And then can you share a little bit about your shift in vision on what it means for what you do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. It, it was, it was hard for me to come to terms with, um, kind of the situation that, that occurred. It was just, it, it's mind boggling that, that, um, that me of all people being a financial advisor and, and helping her transition into retirement, um, that that could have ended that way. But again, I, I refused to allow her legacy to, to end tragically, but rather my desire was to turn it into a legacy of triumph. And uh, the lessons learned um, have been immense. And um, the key one that I've learned and that I've implemented into each client relationship ever since, and that I'm coaching uh, the advisors that we have on staff at our firm today, is that retirement is something that um, is way more than what a software can can spit out uh, numbers we we know how to use the software we've got college degrees and credentials and we know how to use it and uh, we can spit that out uh, very very easily but the other side of retirement is non-financial it's qualitative and so um, what i've encouraged our staff and what i've done in my own client relationships ever since was turning it more from a financial advisor to more of a life advisor. And um, when the word retirement comes to mind for uh, someone walking into our office, I often will start to ask many uh, pointed questions as to what they will be doing next, not um, retiring from something, but retiring to something. Now, I think so that's a huge, huge, important shift, important shift. So let me, because um, you know, who doesn't love a little acting? I'm going to pretend like I'm retiring and I'm coming into your office with, uh, you know, uh, enough assets to retire. What is, what's, you know, kind of give me an example of the line of questions. So I come in, Hey Tony, I'm, I'm ready to retire. How, what, what questions are you asking me? Yeah. I mean, the obvious, um, the first question is what have you, what has been your career? Um, what have you been successful at? Um, our goal is to transition from success to significance. And, um, and there's a little bit of this retirement that um, we're transitioning into a little bit of a halftime. So we've, we've, you've got a 20, 30, 40 year career doing something. You've built up a really great skill set. What is it that will, that you'll be able to continue to bless society with, with the skill set that you spent 30 years um, gaining? Um, you've got computer skills, you've got relational skills, you've got so many things in your industry or your place of work that you will be able to continue to bless um, the next generation with. And so it becomes a, a conversation or questions um, revolving around what those skill sets are and helping them determine how they will continue to use them so that they can continue to find purpose and hope um, in their retirement years. Mm, that's good. For some... For some, yeah, for some, that um, transition 
I am convinced that there does need to be a halftime. There does need to be a break, whether that be a month, six months, it could be a year where you just need to to quit the the career, to stop the the the, the hamster wheel, and um, and to allow you know do some home projects, all the things that you've been waiting for, but to stay there is fairly dangerous for retirees. Mm. And granted, my mom's case, my mom's case was extreme, but I would say that there's a large percentage of retirees that do end up in a depressed state shortly after, because if you think about it, you've been in a successful career. You go to work every day. You have camaraderie with your teammates. You have social time. Um, you you feel needed. You, you're 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 accomplishing your purpose on the world and on the earth. Um, you're getting 200 emails a day. You're 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 busy. You retire and on a Monday morning, there's none of that. And all and, of it just um, stops, doesn't it? All of it stops, and you get two emails that day, and both of them are junk, and there's no social time. And your team, you're kind of wondering what they're doing. And your day, you're kind of looking around wondering, what am I going to do? Maybe I can mow. But then if I mow today, what am I going to do tomorrow? And I'm being, I'm being, I'm exaggerating the point. I don't think you're exaggerating that much though. Yeah. Yeah. The the point is, is that if that continues for much longer, pretty soon, and again, my mom is an extreme case, but the retiree can really start to lose purpose. They can start to lose those skill sets they've, that they've spent a lifetime um, gaining. Hmm. And so there has to be a time, in my opinion, and this is what I coach my clients through, is um, after that break, after that halftime, how can we now move into significance? And perhaps for them, it's, you know what, I'm going to volunteer at this nonprofit that tugs at my heartstrings. Perhaps for them, and, and, and I'll help them transition into that. Perhaps it's I want to start a nonprofit. There's a there's an unmet need in my community, and um, God has given me a passion in my heart and a purpose within my bones to to, to start that and meet that need. Or perhaps it's uh, I've got a skill set for 30 years, and there's a younger generation in college who's going to graduate from college and change the world. They need to know the real life experiences that I've had instead of from an academic perspective, from a real world perspective. And so I'll volunteer my time teaching at the local university. Or perhaps it's, um, I've got grandkids and they're kind of spread throughout the country. And, um, you know, their moms and dads, they're working full time and uh, they need a date night. And I'm going to go and I'm going to make sure that I pour into my grandchildren's lives and allow my, my children um, to, to go on a date night and, and, um, and work on their marriage. Um, there's so many um, things that can give purpose and hope and significance in the retirement years so that um, people's minds don't go in the wrong spot and they don't downward spiral as they um, lose purpose and feel like they've made a bad decision when they, when they chose to retire. So I think that um, this, is, this is so good. And, and you probably represent a large portion of our audience in terms of demographic. You're, what are you, 39, 40 years old? 42. I'm an old guy. 42. Man, but you're so yeah. fit. So you look young. <laughs> uh, you got, Thank you. Yeah. You, um, you've got three kids, different ages. You're, you're, you're in the midst of, of a career that's um, booming. Um, what are you doing and what would you tell our listeners to do now? 
to prepare for retirement that has nothing to do with money. Yeah. The, um, the best way I can describe it is um, think outside of yourself. Um, there, there's, a, there's a big world out there and there's a lot of need. And um, in your career, you might be able to accomplish uh, solving a lot of that need. But at the same time, um, your current career typically is the time where you're able to be successful. You're building a business, you're, you're earning income, you're putting money away for that retirement. What is it that you want to transition into significance for? What, what is it that you want to leave a legacy in your life about? And this isn't something that, um, that you can kind of come up with in a, in a, in a, in a 10 minute time frame. This is a, this is a really prayerful, purposeful time to really determine what you and if you're married your spouse what do you guys want to do um, with with your lives what significant impact on the world do you want to make um, as you transition into into that uh, retirement time frame um, and, and honestly this demographic this 40 year old it, it's tough to, to, to think that far in advance and well and I, I mean I was going to push back on you a little bit because I mean I, I've got three kids in sports. I've got church responsibilities. Um, you, you know, I've got a lot of things going on. How do you and your wife create space for this kind of, of, of prayerful dreaming about thinking outside yourself? Yeah. Get um, practical. Cause I, I'd love to hear like on Mondays or Tuesdays or, you know, maybe somebody can pick something yeah. up here. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, um, I wish I could give you a, a more consistent answer, but what we've chosen to do is um, on our date nights uh, to be able to have those kind of dreaming conversations. And again, in the community that we live in, we do have built-in babysitting with our grand, uh, the grandparents being. Close How often by. do you guys go on date nights? Not often enough, but at least <laughs> once a quarter. No judgment here, man. No judgment here. Right, right. It's tough to do, isn't it? Um, one of the other uh, times that we're able to have these deeper conversations too is each night we, we take a walk. And in Northwest Ohio, the, we've had a very brutal winter, so we oh, haven't been able to walk for uh, quite a few months. But um, we just started, to, the weather's just started to break and we're starting to get out more. And so these conversations are continuing to, to, to be had. And so just taking those moments when they're available. Um, is, is the best time to be able to dream and think of, of what that significant impact that, that we can have on this world could be. Do you and your wife have a, a, a plan on what that looks like? I mean, do you have something like written out that you would be willing to share? I'd be happy to. I'll answer that question in two ways, something that I, we've already done and something that we hope to do. Um, as far as what has already been done, um, we, you know, my mom was, was a nurse, right? And we believe that the healthcare industry, um, those people who choose to spend their career um, helping others um, are very prone to the same issues that, that happened to my mom. They're providing oh, yeah. care daily, day in and day out. And someday they will retire um, to the same, um, same four walls that my mom did. And um, that lack of purpose may invade their lives as well. So my wife and I were able to set up a uh, scholarship fund at the local university, University of Finley, and it goes to uh, the scholarship goes to a nursing student who has achieved, um, you know, whatever curriculum that that we set forth. But um, the the best part about it is the recipient gets to hear this story, 
and it's not very often that um, that a college-age kid even fathoms the the other side, what happens at retirement. Mm. But it's been such a blessing and so fun to talk to these students and with my mom's story, and for them just to give them a heads up of what could happen, and also to just encourage them in their walk as they transition out of college into the healthcare field, the great impact they're going to be having, and um, and also to provide them a, a, a pretty stern warning as to what happened in my mom's case and that uh, at least they have a seed plan as to how to prevent that in their own lives going forward. So that's a, that was a fun thing that my wife and I were able to, uh, to do as a result of this story. And then um, going forward, um, again, I do live, or we live close here in Finley, Ohio. There's a really cool program um, that our local community puts on. I'm sure Dayton has similar uh, similar um, programs, but um, there's a few school districts of schools in the area that uh, live in a little bit of a lower income communities. And what sure. they found uh, through some surveys was that um, these kids that would be in these elementary schools were typically leaving on Friday and they wouldn't get um, another meal mm. until school on Monday. And so that's tragic and it shouldn't be happening in Finley, Ohio. And so some corporations and the local YMCA uh, set up a, a feed a child program where on Fridays in a very discreet manner, um, six meals are provided to the, to these kids um, where they're able to have um, both Saturday and Sunday meals planned out for them um, so that they're not um, going hungry by the time they get, get back to school on Monday. Well, again, I, I stated that, um, um, I work here in Finley, but I live in a smaller community, somewhat of a suburb, a little while, a little ways away called Pandora. And um, with it being smaller, um, there's not corporations and industries and YMCAs to, to support that very same need that occurs right in our school district as well. So my wife and I have um, a real passion to be able to um, eliminate that very problem that permeates not just large cities, but also small communities as well. And um, how significant, how fun would that be, will that be when we're able to, um, to fund and set up a program to feed, it, feed children um, over the weekends that um, they typically would not be able to, to find a meal. Man, that is so beautiful. I love that. And what a, what a great thing to, to consider, uh, you know, for God's, God's next for you and, and your family and, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how you talk about this with your kids, you know, because obviously your your 13 year old, I'm sure, has some uh, emotions around this or at least may not know everything exactly. And I'm not sure that they need to. But like, how, how do you how do you message this with such a, a young, tender heart? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so my daughter, um, the 13-year-old was five at the time. Um, Kaya was three. And um, Everett, um, my wife, was seven months pregnant. Mm. So, um, you know, I, the, talking about memories that are kind of popping into my head um, as we as we talk would, would be my, my seven-month pregnant wife uh, standing beside me in the, the visitation line. Um you know, seven months pregnant, um, you don't typically want to stand for six, right. eight hours. And um, it turns out 
she she didn't leave my side <clears throat> yeah she didn't leave my side and um mm. she stood <clears throat> she stood that whole time and um uh, you know i love her to death and she hasn't left my side since we've been uh, we're celebrating our 20 year yeah our 20 year anniversary this year That's and um there's there's two thoughts to that. I guess uh, she was seven months pregnant as I looked at her in the visitation line. I'm like, man, if mom could have just held on, um, this would have been her first grandson. And maybe that would have just brought her that purpose and joy, but um, she, cause she couldn't do it. She couldn't hang on. And the other thought I had was how, how, what a, what a beautiful picture of, of love. Like, um, you know, my wife was hurting too. It was her mother-in-law yeah. and um, she, even with seven months pregnant, uh, swollen feet, swollen ankles. Um, turns out that she probably wasn't drinking enough and started to have contractions while she stood there in the visitation line. But she refused to sit. She refused to uh, wow. to, to leave my side. So, um, yeah. So when we communicate this to our kids, um, I think there will be a time when I get into the financial side and the story that I've shared with you here today, Pastor Tony. Um, but for now, uh, we've communicated with them um, of what decision my mom made and um, that the reasons that um, that led to that were, were simply that she was sick, um, that she just had something wrong, just like someone has cancer or some other issue with their body. Um, my mom had mental um, illness and she was sick as well and she chose a really a really bad she made a really bad decision and and we all do and um, in this case um, hers was more permanent than the ones that we were that we typically make and um, we just simply remind him that um, that she loved them with all of her heart um, she was a great grandma and um, it's it's tr uh, yeah the tragic part is that they've they've had to live the past eight years um Everett's never met her obviously but um, um you know the blessing that she was to them um a prayer warrior um, she loved buying them gifts and things and, uh, every time she came over there'd be something um, that she would give them and um, my kids loved her to death as well but uh, in the end you can it's obviously just a, a sickness and that uh, that occurred and we just try to communicate it to them that um that she loved him she my mom loved him to death and that um they'll get to meet her again very soon someday up in heaven wow what what a what a testimony man about love and what that means and um whew, that picture of your wife standing next to you that gets me in all the feels too so <laughs> yeah. um, if i recall um you did you marry your high school sweetheart i did i did yeah yeah, yeah. We have that in common. Um, we were high school sweethearts as well, and um, so it's kind of cool to think that um, she stuck by me through a lot of a lot of crazy things, and that was one in, in particular that really stamped out that she she could have easily sat down. She probably should have sat down. She should have drank more water, but um, she refused to leave my side. And I think yeah, good, great good luck telling a seven month uh, seven month pregnant woman what to do. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah, I like it. She's gonna do what she wants, and she's earned it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let me ask you this: um, if if there's somebody listening today who is struggling with depression and struggling with their purpose and struggling with 
life, um, what, what message would you want to give them? Don't give up. Um, the best is ahead. And it's hard to understand that at the time. But if we can take, just like investing, taking a longer-term mindset, while difficult, um, it's necessary to be able to get past this because um, you know, this is the time that, that God reaches down and cares for you the most. You may not feel it at the time, but you can look back and see his hand in that circumstance, in that situation. And um, these are the times when, when faith is built, uh, when, when peace is felt, when, when your relationship with God is solidified and, and grows deeper. Um, you know, and then I would simply also state that, you know, a lot of times these spiritual recommendations are, are, um, a lot, there's a lot of Christian ease to it. From a practical standpoint, I would simply say, please get help. Um, there's a lot of great counselors. There's a lot of great doctors that have put a lot of time and energy and research into figuring out, um, what medications and what type of counseling, um, you might need, um, but in the end, um, I, w- I would simply encourage you, uh, don't do life alone. Mm. Talk with somebody. Um, a church is a great place to start. And um, uh, there's a community of believers there who, who love you, who serve a God who loves you. And uh, they don't want to see you continue to suffer anymore. And they want to see you turn your tragedy into triumph as well. Um, not for pride, but for his glory. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Now, uh, one of the questions I love to ask all my guests, um, and I'm particularly interested in, in hearing this from your perspective, if you could go back to Tony, um, starting a brand new business, newly married, um, just kind of in the beginnings of this, what advice would you give yourself uh, knowing everything that happened and, and what you know now? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's a great question. And I kind of think back to my 25-year-old version. I'm not sure if I would listen to what I'm about to say. <laughs> no, of course you wouldn't. That's why That's why it's so wise now and it was stupid back then. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'd probably answer it a couple ways. Um, the first would be, um, and if we have time for a couple, I can leave it at one if you'd like. No, I think the first listen, one, man. People are loving this. They're loving listening to this. This is good stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think the first one would be, um, and this is so cliche, but I'm just going to say it. Um, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And um, when you're when you're 25, you want to conquer the world, mm. and you have so many goals and so many activities that you want to accomplish and do, and um, that's awesome. And there's no such thing as an unrealistic goal, but there's certainly is such a thing as an unrealistic deadline. Um, and we and we accelerate so many of those things in advance, and what it causes is burnout, fatigue, stress, not only from a career perspective, but on your family, because you bring that home with you, and your wife or your husband have to deal with it, and your kids have to deal with it. Um, what I would encourage a 25-year-old version of myself would be to take a what I call a 25-year framework. And if you think about a 25-year framework, there's 100 quarters, 100 quarters in 25 years. And if you can kind of stretch out those goals, realizing that it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you'll get mm. things done. But if you can stretch that into thinking, what am I going to do in this quarter? 
I've got 100 quarters to do things. I'm going to set up this business. I'm going to realize the success here. I'm going to work on, on, on my family in this case. What are the three things that quarter that we can accomplish to move the ball forward? It's the next step, the next step, the next step. It's not the giant leap. A lot of times it's being faithful today. It's not being stressed out about what's not being done. It's about being grateful for the things that have been done that are going to be done within the next, uh, the next eight-hour time block. So it's that idea of that 25-year framework of just slowing down, taking a deep breath, running the marathon, and not burning out along the way, and thereby burning out your family as well. And I think the – do you have any – Questions on that one before? Yeah, I that's, on solid. that's solid. I, I hope you've got that written down somewhere. Your hundred quarters, man. That's, I love that. I love the visual of that. Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing that I would say to myself too is be quick to analyze success. And um, I think the, the younger version of myself um, in growing a business, you kind of use the shotgun approach. You you try everything. You know what, what can I do to to earn revenue or to gain clients or to or to produce more widgets, whatever it might be in your listener's case. And um, so often, a lot of those fail, right? Like that didn't work. That didn't work. That cost us a ton of money. That that didn't work. And we spend a lot of time um, doing an autopsy of of mistakes and of failures hmm. and an encouragement I would give to a younger version of myself is to spend more time doing an autopsy of success. And um, what are the things that did work? Analyze those, uh, understand those, build processes and procedures and policies around those so that they can be repeated, so that they can be improved, so that you can um, generate even more income and that you can grow a larger business quicker than worrying so much about why things happen to fail. So younger version of myself, um, start with an autopsy of success, what's working really well, and lo- allow those failures to just um, pass by quicker. So how, how old were you when you started doing autopsies of success? You know, it was... Uh, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it wasn't probably until my late 30s that this uh, realization really came to mind. Listen, I, I don't think I don't think wisdom for men, at, at least my experience, really comes to mid 30s. Yeah, I think yeah, we're very slow learners for sure. But um, yeah, I just kept banging my head against the wall, thinking, "Man, why did this not work? What can I do to improve this failure?" And it just kind of clicked one day, like, "No, like, what what is working?" If I, as I walk around this office. Um, you know, we're 17 years in the business. We've, we're serving over 200 families. We got a, over 150 million in assets under management. That's, and a, that's quite a bit of an increase did, from zero. From a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and praise God, and, and praise God for that. And so, what what is it that we did that worked? And why did it work? And how did it work? And how can we repeat it? And how can we make it better and bigger and and more scalable? And um, that's where I want to choose to spend my time is improving the things that are working and making them working even better rather than worrying and frustration about things that haven't worked and things that have failed and uh, spending any energy there. It's just not worth it. Love it. I love it. So um, I, I also should mention that you and I met because uh, we're in a um, kind of a learning leader circle is what we call it with, with Ryan Hawk and the uh, right. Learning Leader Podcast. And part of that group is uh, to get together and talk about 
um, what God has next for us and how to develop as leaders. One of the things that you've mentioned to me in our conversation is that one day you might put this story down on paper hmm. in <laughs> book form. Have you given yeah. any more thought to that? And can I hold you publicly accountable to a date? <laughs> you know, Tony, Surprise! Pastor, yeah, Pastor Tony, I love you to death, man. I love you. Um, you know, you know, two things. It's always on my mind. Like, I, well, have I given it more you, thought? You gotta yeah, do it. I gotta do it. And as far as time frame, you know, to be quite honest, we're we're approaching roughly the ten year anniversary in two thousand and twenty one. Will be the ten year anniversary of Mom's death. And um, there's a little bit part of me in the back of my mind that thinks, you know, that would be kind of a cool, a cool um, thing to release um, as we celebrate my mom's life. And um, it also gives me enough runway within a year and a half to two years to be able to really put some thought into it and um, make it a, a very enjoyable and, um, and, and a readable book. So yes, I want to do it. And that's my, that's my commitment for the date, 2021. 2021. Okay. So, um, and here's my commitment to you is that as someone who's done some writing before, I will help you in any way possible. If you want to get together and storyboard all this out, um, I think people need to hear this story because it's that important. I think it, it makes a difference. And and mental illness is something that we as leaders in our community have to talk more about. And so I applaud you and your wife and your family for being so vocal um, for sharing, for sharing your story and for doing your part. Um, yeah. thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thanks for your offer of, of your assistance. I'll certainly take you up on that. So if leaders want to say thank you or, or listeners want to say thank you for sharing your story, um, if they want to connect with you, if they, uh, want to maybe support your mom's scholarship, um, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, I'm on most of the social media outlets. I tend to be more active on LinkedIn. So you can find me at Tony Hickson. Um, I have a designation called uh, certified investment management analyst. So I'm Tony Hickson CIMA, C-I-M-A on that LinkedIn. Sounds, that sounds real fancy. Doesn't that sound official? I like it. Um, and then, uh, on my firm's website is another way to reach out. And, um, you know, it's, myself and my business partner, Adam Zerker. So it's H-Z capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. So H-Z capital.com. And um, yeah, that would be really, really awesome if um, anyone is um, would want to continue the conversation and make myself more than available for that. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes so that if, if people didn't catch a spelling or whatever, or maybe you're mowing the grass or on the elliptical and um, you could just look it up and we'll make sure that, that people can find you. I'm, I'm, you and I are also connected on social media, so you can always go through me and uh, we would love to get you. And finally, if, if somebody's out there and you're struggling and you need help, um, call, reach out. You know, I, I know many uh, people, I myself, and am available to talk if if you need to talk. Let's let's make it happen, um, and let's let's talk about some of the the struggles. And and like Tony said, we are in fact better together. So, hey brother, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, what an incredible story and and what God's doing. I can't wait to to journey with you in this next season. Yeah, thank you for your time, um, Pastor Tony. Thanks for having me on. I'm blessed to uh, have been able to get to know you better and encourage you to 
be faithful today. Amen. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.